Hey everybody, this is Kevin Ross with The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Ross. And this week we talk about property management, investment property management with my guy, Indy Kalu with Title Property Management. All the things that you wanted to know about property management. So DJ, hit that music, please. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's the Real Estate of Life with Kevin Rouse and friends. And today I have a friend of, I'm gonna say over 15 years, I think, uh, I know it's been over 10. Uh, we're gonna talk about property management. Uh, today I've been trying to, wanting to get him on, not trying, I've been wanting to get him on. I just tried today, he came uh, last minute for me. I appreciate him uh, doing that. And so um, uh, we're gonna talk about property management. We're gonna talk about all the things that you need to know about property management. And so I welcome, I introduced the son. Uh, and, and for those of you that already know, I'm Mr. Uh, Indy uh, Kalu. Indy, welcome to the Real Estate Life. It's about time I've been wanting to get on here with you. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you for finally uh, sending me the invite. Y'all do a great job in the other episodes. As long as I've been in the business, I feel like I learned something. So I, you know, I appreciate you uh, bringing me in. Well, you know what? You're right. It's my fault. Uh, in fact, we're doing this on Zoom versus doing it in the studio. And that's actually my fault. If I had given the brother some time, uh, we probably could have done this in the studio, but we'll have you uh, back on it. Plus, he sits in the studio every day for, for two, three hours anyway. So you probably didn't want to come to another, uh, another <laughs> studio uh, as well. So for those of you that don't know uh, Mr. Indy Kalu, I'm, I'm going to ask him some personal questions first, uh, like his social security number and things that nature. No, I'm just <laughs> Personal questions first, so y'all can get. Uh, Indy uh, is the owner of Title Property Management, and um, they are a, uh, I would say, a mid-sized property management firm on its way to being a large property management firm. And a lot of people, when they come and buy apartment complexes or properties from me, uh, they ask me if I do property management, and I say, heck no. <laughs> I actually use another word, uh, but uh, I say I have someone that's really, really good that. Uh, does it and he has a whole team and things of that nature and that's title property management before we talk about title property management and before we talk about property management Indy give people your background where are you from you know how you got into real estate the whole nine uh, grew up in San Antonio uh, you know it was pretty much my whole life I was born in Baltimore uh, you know but when we we're six weeks old when I was six weeks old moved to San Antonio spent my whole life there and then when I went to college, Rice University, and that's when I really fell in love with Houston. It's funny, growing up in San Antonio, Houston is like the big brother of San Antonio. So every chance we, get, we would come to Houston uh, to hang out. So early on, junior high, we would come here for AU basketball games, high school come, and I just knew I always wanted to eventually end up in Houston. So that was a big reason why I chose Rice University. Um, you, you know what, I will say this, uh, you know, coming to Houston, it was a big city. And we were able to see so many successful people of different colors, different backgrounds. And growing up in San Antonio, the thought was, and I know this seems so antiquated and backwards, you, you know, certain people had to either be rappers or athletes to make it and that's it. Then when I got to Houston, I met people like yourself, so many uh, professionals, and I was like, man, that's the city I want to be in. Those are the type of people I want to be around. So that's why I chose Rice University. And then after Rice, after I graduated, you know, lucky enough to play a few years in the NFL, and even when I was in the NFL, I always had a passion for real estate, for buying things, fixing them up, running them out, selling them. So I knew that once my playing days were done, I wanted to do that full time. So that's when I got my broker's license while still playing and started my, you know, small real estate company. 
And then it just started growing to where we were managing not just my properties, but other people's properties. And that's when I felt like we were onto something where we could crawl, uh, carve, excuse me, carve out a little niche for ourselves. And that's basically what we've been doing the last uh, 12 to 15 years. So I met Indy through, for those uh, that don't know, I met Indy through a high school classmate of mine, uh, Jeff Siles, uh, uh, Jeff and Carlos Siles, as a matter of fact. And this is when Indy was still playing. I think at the time you were transferring from the Eagles to the Texans uh, and you were starting to buy properties. Uh, or yeah, I'd already started, but you were kind of uh, furthering that uh, alone. And so again, before we get to property management, why did you choose, you know, people always have these assumptions about professional athletes and, and how they spend their money. Uh, but I, I can remember having many conversations with you about, uh, you know, the different conversations you had with fellow players about money and, and, and you know, the, whether y'all even have time to think about money, to be honest with you, based on your schedule. But I, I'm curious as to, to why you chose, what made you choose real estate as your investment dollar, you know, while you were playing? Well, one thing, I've always just liked real estate. I mean, I've just always loved walking in and looking at different designs, different properties from apartments to single family houses. But as far as, you know, getting prepared and getting ready for life after football early on, you know, when you're an undersized defensive end who's a fifth round pick coming out of Rice, you know, you're not going into it thinking that, oh, you know what, I'm going to, you know, pay play 20 years, make $200 million. So that's always the dream. That's always the hope and the goal. But you're also thinking of, okay, life after football, things don't work out. You need to prepare yourself, uh, you know, for the next level. And I saw so many guys, Kevin, spending, and I'm not even talking about your first round, second round, big money guys, but once you get a taste of that lifestyle and you see uh, the big money guys, you try to keep up with the Joneses. And I saw so many guys who, you, you know, spending more than half of what they're actually netting, bringing in on the jewelry, on the, you know, the condos. These are, these are minimum guys on the minimum. Exactly. Yeah. On the cars. And, and then I also saw those same guys, you know, get cut. And two, three years later, while I'm still in the league, you know, they're literally don't, they literally don't have anything to show for it. So that kind of scared me straight. You know, there's that show scared straight. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not always just people going to jail. Like, <laughs> that I wasn't going to have anything to show. Um, for the NFL. And here's the thing, uh, financial advisors, they didn't like when I would tell them this, those guys who were trying to get my business. What I loved about real estate, even if I made a bad uh, investment, now I would only invest in things where if it didn't work out, you know, it wouldn't bankrupt me. I wouldn't have to change my lifestyle. But you can always sell the asset and get something back. Right. And you have know, financial advisors who uh, took my money and I thought I was doing things the right way. I'll never forget, there's this one guy in New York gave him $64,000 to invest in everything that sounds right. Mm -hmm. So years later, it was just gone. And like when he called me and told me, and I was all, what do you mean gone? Like we're down to 20, we're down to 10. And he's like, no, it's gone. Then he had the nerve to ask me for more money. Are you kidding to, me? Oh, and try to convince me that that was just the norm of the stock market. And my worst real estate investment to date, knock on wood, that it doesn't get worse, well, the performance, it, it nets me $12 a month. <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to do more than that. Right. And I held on to it for about 12 years. So if I sold it now, I would get all my principal back. And I probably would, I mean, not probably, I would make money on it. But I, I made all the real estate 101 mistakes. You know, I bought the biggest house in the neighborhood. Right. I it up in a way that I would want it to be, not so much as just an investment property. So I put too much into the renovations. And when it was all said and done, 
after we pay the mortgage, you know, we're clearing on average $12 a month. And that's my worst deal. That's what I love about real estate, that it, it, unless you just do something totally ridiculous, you're going to get something back from it. And then don't even talk about the best deals to be, you know, those are right. right. The, one, the, the ones that everybody put in their book and on their pocket. <laughs> exactly. The ones that they lose. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I, that, that's one of the reasons I just love real estate. So uh, to that point, um, you know, I always tell people when I refer you, um, your company, how you kind of got started. So you built up a pretty decent portfolio of single family properties. And, and because of that, and this really goes into property management, really, you were trying to manage that pretty much by yourself, as I remember it. Uh, and that caused you to realize that you couldn't, especially while playing, manage it. So you had to kind of, uh, uh, and I'm kind of telling a little bit of a story, but set up some some systems and, and people around managing your own property before you started managing anybody else's property, right? Right, well, initially when I was still playing, I was trying to manage it and I had, you know, family members do this, that, or the other, and that didn't work. So then I said, okay, let me hire a property manager. So I hired a property manager and, you know, I won't put his name out there. He actually did a good job until I came home in the off season and I was actually looking at all the expenses and I was looking at, all the transactions. So when I first hired him, uh, what I liked, he took the weight off my shoulders and he handled everything. Anytime there's an expense, I would just, you know, cut a check. But then when I really started looking at the itemized expenses and I saw that I was paying $125 just to change a, you know, a doorknob or, you know, then I also noticed that they utilize their own guys and that's the contractors. So anytime there's a maintenance request, the property management team was making money that way. Mm -hmm. That's when I started to say, ah, you know what, there has to be a better way to do this. So that's when I felt like I started tweaking the system. Um, I took back like 10 of my properties where I still let him manage the other 54 at the time. And then when I felt comfortable, I took them all back. And the things that I didn't like with his outfit, which was pretty much industry standard, mm -hmm. is what I try to approve on. Like we charge a flat fee. We do not employ any contractors because I just personally feel like that's there's a conflict of interest. When I tell you, Kevin, that I'm going to get four or five bids for every job over $250, if I have in-house maintenance guys, well, guess who's going to get all the work? So it keeps right. us, it keeps uh, the process honest. And and then I just really feel like the way we're set up, we really are trying to drive down the prices because the more we keep those prices down, the happier our clients are and the more they recommend us. And that's kind of been our formula over the last few years. So I'm going to be transparent to my audience. I've talked to Indy about his business model many a time. And, and, <laughs> I <don't, laughs> and he doesn't charge enough, in my opinion, even though I'm not uh, in it. But every time I've sent him someone, um, you know, they've signed on. So uh, obviously he knows more about his pricing uh, than others. But let's just talk about real quick uh, industry standards, because I try to do this as a global. Of course, I want people to call you, but I know people uh, have people contact me from out of the uh, states, uh, out of the state of Texas, I should say. So industry standard typically is a percentage of rents as a charge, um, you know, service calls. Um, and if it's a big enough shop, then yeah, typically they may have one, two, 10, however many guys that actually work for the company and, and don't work for uh, an outside contractor. So that is, uh, but that is kind of industry standard. No, that is, um, you, you know, back when I first started, it was seven to 10% of the rents that are collected is what the management company would keep. Now, because it's getting a little saturated, getting competitive, I've actually seen them as low as 4%. And 
and now I'm starting to see more and more flat rates out there. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Industry standard. Now, here's the case. When you're talking apartment complexes mm -hmm. and anything over 100 units, you typically need, on top of the management fees now, you typically need an on-site manager and at least one uh, maintenance tech with one porter. Like those are supposed to be salary and those salaries are supposed to be taken care of by the complex, meaning by the rents that come in, then the property management company, they organize and they're the ones who actually pay the salaries and put the systems in place. So when you typically have 100 units or above to run it functional, especially if it's a class C or below, mm -hmm. those things that have more uh, tasks that need to be done every single day, you definitely need to have, again, that on-site manager that's full-time the on-site maintenance tech and at least one at least one porter. And then you have the management company overseeing those staff or those employees. Uh, that, that's typically what you see. And the larger, the more staff that you have, depending on the landlord's, the owner's budget, uh, depends on how many staff members you can have on top of the uh, on top of the management fees. So even with our reduced flat fee uh, pricing for apartment complexes, it allows us to, one, since we don't, and again, this isn't, Talking about our company, but no, I said, no, but you're comparing you're comparing yours versus what everybody else does, right? Right. It, it allows us to. I would rather take a little bit less as a management company, so we can hire the right staff and pay them what you know what they deserve. So we can hire the right maintenance tech and pay them what they deserve. Because when we work for, and we've had some in the past, landlords who are trying to you know cut corners and not pay uh, the staff the industry standard. It just makes our job tough. It makes our job, uh, you know, tougher to complete. I'd rather take a little bit left, but have the people who get what they expect or what they want as far as salary is concerned, but they run a smooth shop. So, but the industry standard, you know, even with single family was a percentage of the rents collected, but now you're seeing renters warehouse, um, renthouses.com a lot of these people are, are following my model i'm gonna call it my model because i feel like <laughs> i've been doing it for the longest they've just put more money out there to really advertise it of doing flat rate and then once your systems are, are in place you can handle 200 300 properties uh even if you're only getting 65 75 dollars a door so um let me ask you this um when does someone in your opinion having not only manage your own properties, but now managing a, a large portfolio of properties. When do I need a property manager? Let's say I'm a single family investor for right now. When do I need a property manager? When it starts cutting into your nine to five and when it starts cutting into the free time that you have from your nine to five. So whether that be after three properties, whether it be after four or five, when you start doing the things that you don't want to do regarding uh, your real estate investment career. So you've referred me to a family, I won't say their name, but they don't have that many properties, but they're both very successful in what they do. And they told me, Andy, I don't want one call for a maintenance <laughs> to do with one toilet. That's why we're giving you these four properties. They're very bright. They're very smart. They can definitely handle it, but they don't want to. So for them, it just makes sense for them to, uh, to get a property manager. On the flip side, I have another client who's given us four of his properties, but he's managing 13 of them. And I'm like, hey, why don't you give us all of them? He's like, man, I like it. it does, but these four are my problems. <laughs> so that's <what> <laughs> he gave you the problem, children. <laughs> exactly. So it, it just depends on what you, uh, what a handle. Interesting story. Uh, again, another uh, pretty successful individual. He bought two apartment complexes with two other guys, two other gentlemen. 
uh, that he didn't know. They went to some meeting and they that's how they were connected through that networking service. They bought a property. He had a high paying job in human resources with one of these oil companies. Mm-hmm. And then he just randomly sent me an email uh, saying, hey, I'm going to be a little more involved. I still want you to manage the properties, but I've quit my job. So I was like, whoa, that just, it didn't sound like him. So I took him out for coffee and I like him, you know, we're mm-hmm. associates, not friends, but I was just curious, like, why'd you quit? And he said, between, you know, checking the numbers on the apartment complex, which he didn't have to do because that was <laughs> our, but he was just one of those type A personalities. And then as detailed as he is with his business, he said he was physically getting sick from the stress. And that since he has multiple properties and we only managed one of them, that he was going to have to put his family on a strict budget. But he felt so much better not having to deal with the day to day of all the properties and work. And though he's not making near the money that he was making before he, you know, quit, quit his job, that he just feels so much better, less stressed. And he's walking his properties with a smile on his face. So everyone's different as far as when you should. So instead of giving you a number, I'll just say when it gets to the point when you don't enjoy it because you should enjoy investing in real estate. And so for those of you out there, uh, I think I've said I'm I'm building duplexes now. In fact, I just closed on a construction loan last week and I'm in real estate. I sell real estate. I could property manage, but guess who I'm going to call when these duplexes are (laughs) finished because I have no desire at all to manage property and I know I could do it. I've done it, I guess, a little bit for my asset management clients, uh, my corporate clients, uh, while I have properties uh, that I've had to sell. And that's what's taught me uh, that I don't want to do it. So uh, it also is just whether you like it or not, uh, you know, whether you have time. And I know I prefer clients to you as well that, you know, um, uh, as a client that you know of that uh, moved overseas for a couple of years because they had a work assignment and, and they didn't want to sell their home. They wanted to come back to Houston and, and uh, uh, and live in their home. And so that's another situation where you see uh, people need a property manager if they want somebody to maintain uh, the uh, the property. Let me ask you about this. You mentioned uh, folks that have, you know, 100 units or more, but a lot of the deals I refer you are, you know, in the kind of 30, 20, um, you know, I think it's 72 um, we did uh, here recently, or 42, I can't hear, 42 we did here recently. So um, what's what's my... What's my criteria for that? Is it the same uh, as to whether I get property management or not? You, you know, that's a good question. And that's actually difficult even from a property manager's uh, point of view as far as, uh, you, you know, when you should. You're asking when you should. What, what's the number as far as when you should manage it? or when? You right, because I get that question all the time. I'm just interested to hear what you say. I always say, you know me, I'm going to say whether it's two units or 2,000 units, get a property manager because that's just how I think. Right. But, there are some people that, you know, if you have a one 15-unit apartment complex and that's where all your issues are going to be, then I think most people can manage that with this caveat. This is Kevin talking. If they have someone there that they either give a rental credit to or they trust on site to kind of handle the day-to-day looking around and, and pick up like porter services and maybe even collecting rent, then I can think I think you can manage a 15 to 20 unit quote unquote by yourself. Uh, but uh, it also depends on if you trust that person. I mean, like, there's a whole lot that goes into that, too. So, No, exactly. And you bring up, you know, a couple of interesting, interesting points. Uh, yes, it can be done, uh, especially if you have someone on the grounds that you trust to collect. Right. Uh, 
Uh, if there's a maintenance request at night that they're calling that person. But a couple of things, there's so much more to it than that. So if you're someone who doesn't mind bookkeeping, you know, because you're not going to find a porter who lives there that's going to do your bookkeeping. If you're someone who can deal with the city, because when you earn, and we're starting to see this more as the city tries to get more money from investors, these random, um, you know, occupancy. Just email me about one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just, right. they just come up randomly. And I tell you what, you, you have to meet with the inspectors. You have to you give them everything they need as far as paperwork is concerned before you can even pull the permits to get that work done. If you can deal with that, if you have the time or the, the want, the desire to deal with that, then you can absolutely manage 15, 20, 25 units. But you always have to be aware of this is a very volatile business. There's a lot of turnover. And when you have an individual that's willing to take reduced rent uh, to you know work the grounds of your property, you can't rely just on that person. So you have to really realize that there's still gonna be paperwork involved. There's still gonna be bookkeeping involved. There's still gonna be times where you have to be on site to make the big decisions. And if you have the time and you actually like that, you can absolutely, I would say probably up to about 30 to 40 units, one individual can do it with the help of a porter. If they are very, if they're like you, you know, very detailed, they utilize technology the way it needs to be utilized. Uh, they can streamline it. But you just have to realize so many different things that don't come up in class, that don't come up, uh, you know, in the books, that don't come up on HGTV where they romanticize, you know, <laughs> uh, just happen to come up uh, when you manage a property, especially when you're talking about anything, you know, sea level or below. A couple of times I felt like we were too good where we we're managing a 20, 30 unit complex and the owner was like, oh, this is easy. You know, you sent us the reports and. We had, and we actually, we actually employed someone who lived on the grounds at a reduced rent. We got the per, uh, permission from the owner um, and they came in and said, you know what? I feel like I can do what you're doing. So, you know, thank you for your services. And then about six, seven months later, they called us back and they like, were please, like, please, please take this over. Yeah, because I'm very big and it comes, sometimes it comes back to bite us in the backside. I do not like contact, contacting our clients and letting them know everything we're doing because to me that def that defeats the whole purpose even if you know it's being handled but i call you and i say hey kevin we had a break-in over in unit 709 oh the police are out there we're handling it i just want to let you know to me that's not really doing my job as far as taking the stress off your shoulders now at the end once everything's resolved right. know, but my point is where it comes back to hurt us at times when we're not telling you everything that's going on and then it's hard for us to justify, you know, what we're doing until they try to do it themselves. So, um, speaking of which, um, um, just and I know it's, I didn't prepare you for this question, but what are maybe one or two interesting property management stories, either with dealing with tenants and or landlords, um, that you know we can change the name to protect the innocent, but uh, or the non innocent, but that you know i know you and i have talked about different things because you know indy them they manage the gamut of properties from what you keep saying c-class properties or properties that maybe need work or have a, a different type of tenant base to to a-class properties and i and you would think that all the stories would come from c-class i'm sure there's some a-class properties that you have stories for as well but what are some of the interesting things that you've run into in your uh now you know what 12 plus or 15 plus years of property management well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, a couple specific stories, but one thing that, you know, is pretty interesting when you hear property management and anybody who's trying to get into the business, 
the one thing that really hit me and I tell everyone that I talk to who's looking to get into business, just remember when you're a property manager, you, you know, we just think, oh, manage the tenants. But you spend as much time as managing the contractors and even managing the owners, the landlords, because you have so many landlords that are very smart in their, and very successful in their own right, in their own industry. And they just assume that they know everything about the real estate business. And mm -hmm. it, it, there are times where they're almost telling you, hey, this is how this should be done. And you have to, you know, show them the respect that they deserve, but at the same time, let them know, you know what, that sounds good. I know you may have learned that, in, you know, one of these get togethers or <laughs> it, it, um, one of those Saturday sessions. Uh, exactly. That you paid $8,000 for, right. so that walk you through a deal. But in reality, you know, this is what's going on. So you, you really learn that you're not just managing tenants. You're, you're, that's actually the easy part. You're managing contractors because you're, contractors that give you the best pricing you know i don't want to say the cheapest contractors mm -hmm. but those need to be managed like you're babysitting because mm -hmm. they'll do the work but they're not the most efficient and they're not the most professional and uh and again the clients they, you know they all think they know any and everything involved in real estate but a couple of stories especially when you're dealing with some of these low income housing i remember before back before i just utilized the constables and the sheriffs like i should uh, for evictions when I would go do them myself. Uh, I went to one property on the north side of town in Houston and I was walking up to the house and I noticed a bunch of guys all wearing the same color shirts. I won't say what color. Um, <laughs> it, it made you think that they're affiliated. And I'm a big guy, but no matter how big you are, you know, when you're facing eight people who may or may not have protection on them, you know, you still get a little bit nervous. So. Right. I walk up to him, tell him, you know, I'm the owner of the house, even though I wasn't, but as the property manager, I'm representing the owner and let him know that, look, he hasn't paid. He lost his eviction. It's time for him to go. And I thought I was going to get a little more pushback. And he was like, I understand. I understand. Uh, can you give me a minute? I need to get something from the back. And I didn't know if he was going to damage the property. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to come with you. He was like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to come with you, you know, just to make sure you don't do anything. So we walked to the backyard and this is a panel house. Mm -hmm. Then he hits the panel real hard and he shakes it loose and then he just pulls the panel off and all this dope falls out of class. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just gathering it up. And then I just turned around and said, look, as long as you're gone by today, I didn't see anything. And, and then when he was getting his stuff out, I asked him and I probably shouldn't have. I said, if you have all that, why can't you make rent payment? <laughs> Uh, he just started laughing and he said it wasn't his and then he left uh, so that that was uh, one interesting story and and you know there are just so many uh, different stories that you're dealing with uh, tenants uh, we had one owner who owned a duplex and he went through a divorce with his wife but then somebody reported that there was a squatter so we went out there to remove the squatter and it ends up being the owner of the property but he was <laughs> be there because his wife his wife got the uh the, oh, wow. that's, that's a bad divorce right there when your wife reported you as a squatter oh, so, you know kind of threw us for a loop so yeah i would say every every week or so something happens that's never happened before right we might just have to have a podcast on interesting stories because i know you're, you're telling the uh, the the good ones there. I know there are two apartment complexes specifically. I referred you to that there there are to be like at least fifteen stories in each of those. Uh, there's so. actually one. <laughs> there's one, and I know you know the one I'm thinking of. 
I'm literally thinking about buying it just so we could have a TV crew there because we would make millions of dollars. <laughs> So crazy. It would just be called whatever that apartment complex is called. That's what would be the name of the TV show. Exactly. I mean, the stuff that happens there, you couldn't write a better script. And I, <laughs> I have the perfect person there, the on-site manager there. Mm. And I always tell her, if we had a camera there, we're missing out because we would make so much money. Oh, man. Well, hey, man, um, uh, you know, I'm going to bring it to a close. We usually try to keep it to around uh, uh, 30 minutes or so. Um, so I, I guess... Uh, what I end with, I end with two questions. One, if someone's shopping for a property manager, either in Houston or, um, you know, out of state uh, or out of our, our market, what would be maybe one of the uh, two or three things that you said? You, you, if you were interviewing property managers, knowing that what you know as a property manager, what would you be asking? You know, one, I would ask them about their fees. I mean, because let's be real, this is a bottom line business. So I want to know what they charge and uh, why they charge a certain amount. I would definitely ask, and I'm not saying it should be a deal killer, but for me personally, uh, do they utilize, do they outsource maintenance requests and contractors? For me, it's a big problem if it's in-house because then you have phantom maintenance requests that come up. Then you have, uh, you know, up charges that they can just put on, you know, put into the uh, their invoices. And it's, it's so easy to hide with us. Every invoice we get, every check, we scan it, we're very transparent. So I would definitely ask about that. And then I would just get to know them because these the bigger companies, you know, they have all the nice reports, the nice, beautiful reports, as they should. Um, you know, they'll advertise that they have a bookkeeper, that they have an accountant, that they have uh, a leasing specialist, that they have a maintenance supervisor and all these things that make you feel good. But when it's all said and done, it's a people to people business. And if you feel like the manager you're interviewing has a good relationship with tenants that will keep good tenants there. Uh, that's going to affect your bottom line in a positive way. So I would ask the basic questions, uh, you know, how much do they charge? Uh, you know, what hours are they open? How do they handle certain situations that may come up? But then, you, you, you know, you as an individual, you'll have a gut feeling about a property manager. And then I would make sure that I know which person would be dealing with the tenants to see what type of vibe you get from him or her. That's, that's great. That's great information. So lastly, I'll get you out of here on uh, on this one. Uh, tell us about title property management, you know, how large your staff is and then how people get in touch with you. Oh, man, I'm pretty, I didn't do this for that. But, uh, you know, we have uh, six team staff, you know, me being a former football player, I always refer to things as team. And we have six people on the team uh, for single family houses. And I know you hate this. We charge $65 a month per <laughs> <hour>. <laughs> That's just what we do. Uh, you know, people love that and they appreciate it. So we've had people with us for years. Then just depending on certain apartment complexes, you know, we do duplexes up to over 100 units. We have a flat rate. And once we have that flat rate, uh, we only charge a flat rate. So uh, depending on the complex, depending on how many units it has, uh, you know, we'll come up with that flat rate. But we do try to undercut and we always say you don't get what you pay for because you know there's no nine to five with us uh you know work through the weekends work past five o'clock whatever it takes uh we treat each property like those our own and uh again this wasn't a commercial for title property management but i can attest to the fact that um uh that i've not ever had a client and i've referred quite a few uh to uh title property management <laughs> <laughs> that has come back to me and said you know anything negative at all uh, about um, title property management specifically. And then one thing that I do do 
when I refer people as I, I say, MD treats each of his properties like they're his own. And I think that the way that you started, which is managing your own, has a lot other than your character in general, but has a lot to do with you treat properties. He'll call me, hey man, I'm, I'm sitting out front of this uh, property. I want to walk it first so I could get a better understanding. And so I can tell you now that uh, having sold enough apartment complexes to deal with different management companies through the sale process, that is not the case. I've talked to property managers, owners of property management companies that have never even visited a property that I'm about to, to, to sell. So, um, but they know how to send, you know, stuff and, and things of that nature. So I appreciate you being on, man. We're going to have to do this again, probably talk about some next level property management stuff and some real estate uh, uh, stuff. And then, you know, uh, in my mind, when you were talking earlier about your playing career, in my mind, I was thinking about this whole sports, NFL, NBA, and real estate podcast you know, topic uh, that would be good to have maybe three or four of you guys on here just talking about uh, different things. I know, you know, you keep in touch with guys that, that are in the business as well. So I appreciate uh, you. And I can, by the way, he said he had six. I remember when it was just ND and a yellow legal pad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would come to my office and, hey, man, this is my 15-step uh, process to get rent or whatever the case may be uh, written down on a yellow legal pad. So the brothers come a, a long, long way. Uh, and again, I appreciate it. I'm proud of you, man. Very much so. Very yeah, much. Can I do it without you? You know, I always tell people you're my real estate mentor and not to get all cushy, but we wouldn't be as large as we are without you. So it's right. much appreciated. I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And the, he doesn't pay me for this. He just takes me to sushi restaurants. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate that. Hey, this has been this week's uh, The Real Estate Life with Kevin Rouse. I appreciate you guys. Log on as... Uh, uh, and I also appreciate I've gotten a whole lot of feedback on my Facebook videos and things of that nature that we started to load on our YouTube page. So again, thank you for the support. I do this because it scratches the whole teaching itch. Uh, and so I appreciate this. Uh, and I'm not in the studio. Y'all can tell I'm on Zoom. So Mr. Producer is going to edit this uh, this video when he gets it. Uh, and, and of course, I'm doing it the day before he uploads it. So he's going to be really happy at me. So anyway, we'll see how that goes next week. I appreciate you guys. Uh, coming on to the Real Estate of Life with Kevin Rock. Do you have questions about any of the topics I'm talking about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com.